everybody, listener, listeners, hoping we're getting multiple people checking us out and finding things that they don't like about us, but maybe things that you do. Keep you coming back. Uh, episode four, we've got a really special guest, an old friend of mine who I think you'll see real quick why we're friends. Uh, we'll talk more about her later. I think um, the big thing that's going on right now is we're past the damn election, Brando. We're out of it. It's over. We waited for five long days to just see who was going to take over. And it turns out, uh, maybe surprisingly, that it's Joe Biden taking out Trump and everybody feeling some, everybody I know, even people who support him feel some odd form of relief, man. What are you going through? Well, I, uh, I've i come to realize I'm going to miss the weird late-night sexual tension between Cuomo and the map boy, whose name I forget. <laughs> I don't watch enough CNN. What do you... What, the, what I'm, map I'm, boy? I forget, I, I forget the name of the... Uh, of the young anchor that oh, takes over map about the duties. Reading, yeah, yeah, yeah. Late, yeah later yeah. on at night, I, I after King goes to bed. But no, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's over. I no longer have to watch the news. I can move on with my life and just start enjoying some simple things again. I, I, I did. One of the reasons why I'm glad none of my coworkers listen to this is because I can fully admit I got very little work done since Tuesday afternoon. I right. think things can go back to a little bit more, more normal now in my immediate life. In my opinion, the American people spoke up and voted for sanity. And it seems like not only right. here in America, but people across the world are celebrating on our behalf. And I don't know if that's ever happened in an elect after an election before. Well, so that's, I think, something that, I guess depending on why you're voting in general, maybe you're aware of it, maybe you don't pay attention, but you know, the world is is sort of watching what we do and waiting to see in a way kind of waiting to see who we are. And I think that for it's one of those things I don't remember seeing at any election like this where um you know, I made a joke that when the French when the mayor of Paris tweets out welcome back america it's it's a weird time where welcome back america feels like somebody's throwing shade you know like who yeah. have you been for four years that welcome back america is like i don't know it, it's it's really i have my own personal feelings about it i was you know i uh i really try to be fair-minded overall and i try to be informed and best I can and uh I feel like um especially in in his in his campaign was one thing but in his speeches about wanting to sort of bring people together having having just a person who is deemed in leadership speaking in a way that was about uh people remembering they're on the same side and that they're not that he's just not trying to divide into these small kickball teams at every single turn was uh, super relieving. And to see the world react. I mean, I didn't realize until maybe this morning that London was had a huge fireworks show. Did you know that? I did. Um, 
church bells, I believe, in Paris were going off. And I must say, church to, bells to, to, go, to go back on your comment a moment ago, there's a couple of things I find very interesting about uh, Biden's acceptance speech. I, I assume you watched it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Do you think him, like, full of life, jogging up to the podium was a weird, what was a little low-key way of throwing shade at Donald Trump, barely being able to make it down a ramp? So yeah, I don't, you know, I don't want to, I don't, I don't, I don't believe it is, but I, part of me kind of wants to make, wish it's true. Look, it might be. I, look, if I, I mean, I, I have a really different look back kind of perspective at this point. You know, I, I did. I think a lot of people felt like he seemed docile and and quiet. And uh, I think I had texted you earlier that on Tuesday night, I remember I was tracking everything through five thirty eight. Thank you, Nate Silver, for anybody who's bashing you. You guys were awesome. Thanks, Nate and, Silver. Uh, also, big shout out. Big shout out to somebody you'll never meet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, New York Times and ABC. And I, I, I totally understood why the media wasn't going to call it quickly. I think that was really smart. I think it took. A, I think in a way that might have been in the playbook for the White House that if somebody called it too early, ironically, Fox called Arizona way early, but. You know that was going to be the blame the media they're trying to influence and yeah, I mean, but say what you will about Fox. Way. Their opinion, their opinion talkers are junk, but their election the anal- their, their their election analytics and their polling are on point. Yeah, their newsmen are. I, I mean, I'm a fan of Chris Wallace for the fact that um, he embodies journalism as as I think it is supposed to be as much as possible on Fox. And my my second uh, so, thing, you know, I. My second thing about the speech is it felt so weird and foreign to have the president of the United States deliver a speech that inspires hope in complete and grammatically correct sentences instead of weird little fragments. (laughs) It felt really good. John Cusack nailed it. It was odd that having someone just give a, you know, sound like a, a leader and sound coherent was just something that was weird in a way we hadn't heard it like that particularly from the from that place um but no man i I think it was i look at it differently i think a lot of people saw him running weekly i think on tuesday night they said he turned the tvs off and was going to bed and i thought that was like oh the old man has seen this before he knows where it's going he's gonna concede in the morning i thought the worst and for him to come out the next day and he's like, no, we know where we're going. We're not. He kind of got quiet about it. That looked very, it was very uncomfortable for me. Then as the numbers came in and he starts projecting the kind of confidence that I, I was hoping to see in a way. To me, that whole turning off the TVs and going to bed thing, it totally looks different to me now. It went from being this poor old guy has seen this a million times too. This dude long con hustled the shit out of this campaign and president Trump. He gave him so much rope that Trump hung himself. He was quiet. He did not go at him in the same thing. He didn't get baited in that same mentality. And now he looks like a pimp. He didn't even want to watch the numbers. He's going, I'm tired. I've seen this hundred times. I know I'm going to win. I'm going to get some shut eye that, looks different to me that may it's a whole narrative in my head sure but the fact that he won that way i mean 
would you disagree that Trump beat himself in a lot of this last, say, 60 days? Oh, absolutely. Without, without going into detail. Absolutely. Right. Like he, I think he had plenty of times to pivot, but he he didn't. And I think, I think he beat himself. I think one of the smartest things the Biden campaign ever did was never try to come out to refute the whole Sleepy Joe or Biden has dementia thing. Because after that first debate, everybody saw that was bullshit. Well, that's kind of what I mean, though, right? Yeah. Like, at that point. Don't the use the word debate, smart with me. But people in the first debate were saying, oh, all he had to do was be competent. But if you look back on the on the game plan, I love the idea that the whole time this guy's going, let him say it, let him say it, let him keep talking, let him keep talking. And then he shows up and presents himself as, I mean, look, I, I don't think I'm going to be as quick with my words when I'm his age, but I didn't think he sounded out of his mind at all he sounded like he knew exactly what he wanted to say and what he wanted to do and uh i think it was a big blow i i i'm telling you now looking back at that campaign and everything he looks like clint eastwood (laughs) he looks like he knew the whole time what he was doing and he had some way of seeing how it was going to play out yeah it's exciting i don't know lifted you feel huge relief huh Yes and no. Did you have any? Do you have any big conspiracy theories about it? Did you have any thoughts about where you, where you think things were going to go, or they, did you think did you expect some more chaos than we got? I think I was worried that there'd be issues at polls and whatnot, but that stuff really didn't materialize. I mean, I wasn't exactly worried about any sort of weird election fraud thing happening. I mean, considering how many different states are involved, how many different polling centers are involved. How many different Democrat and Republican observers hired and vetted by the state are involved? I mean, if they somehow rigged that election, they did a piss poor job considering we're still stuck with Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, Susan Collins, so on and so forth. But yeah. now, I mean, I, I, I got a little I got a little wary when um, armed nut jobs showed up outside the Maricopa County elections office and then. Alex Jones ended up there spreading his own little brand of crazy. But thankfully, as of the recording of this, nothing crazy has happened. So that to me is a good thing to kind of focus on, right? Like as much as they wanted to pump into everybody's head that there was going to be a bunch of, uh, you know, proud boys and boogaloos and, you know, people out in the street. It just, I don't, it didn't happen. I, I, I truly think people were ready they're ready even people who support him are just like all right man i'm tired now i think i'm just gonna go home <laughs> and uh, i think they're just sort of done man they're exhausted and they're ready to they're ready to not have to hear about the fucking white house every day and considering we're in a once in a century pandemic and the biden campaign was encouraging people to vote by mail for safety reasons so we don't die. So we don't risk you dying. Know, the biggest non-controversy of, of the year. And of course, the I mean, Trump administration is insisting that voter fraud, vote, vote by mail, bad. Vote by mail, fraud. Go vote in person. Of course, well, it's sure. going to take a massive lead in the beginning. Plan. And then as they start counting those mail-in ballots that were submitted at an unprecedented level, I think they're going to shift blue. 
So of course, it, so him, that's, go, that's him just turning it off and just point. going to bed makes perfect sense to me. He knew what was happening. Well, it's what I was saying about feeling. The, I mean, you, the victory itself makes a statement on many levels. That he could win Georgia, that he could turn Wisconsin and Pennsylvania back because he went there, he campaigned there, Pennsylvania, uh, Michigan, uh, Arizona. I mean, Arizona and Georgia are huge, huge statement, and I think it just makes a, a pretty Hashtag clear two oh seven. Sorry. Oh, we will get there. Yes, we, we will, will get there. But okay. b- before, you know, we got to we got to go further a little bit and. I actually want to get into a little more about the vice president, but um, I just kind of wanted to round out this part of saying I, I personally am relieved. I I know a lot of people are upset. I remember being upset myself four years ago, and I uh, I hope we can put it behind us a little faster than than uh, slower. Hopefully, we remember we're all on the same damn team and just sort of get over it figure out why we need each other. We don't have to see everything exactly eye to eye. You know, I, I hope that's where we come to. I know it's going to be a little sticky at first, and I hope uh, the urge to troll those friends of yours that you know disagree with you. For me, that's my parents. For Brando, I think that's your dad. It's hard not to want to take a jab. Oh, I'm going to be incredibly nice about it to my father. I haven't even talked to him yet. Uh, if he just is a man and admits that the country made the right move, cool. If um, he starts throwing, and I, I think about this the same way as pretty much any other Trump supporter that I may have in my life, is if you start to act petty and childish, then I'm just going to use the same saying and logic that they threw back at us in 2016. Fuck your feelings. Well, yeah, I, look. There's going to be a lot of people that not do that, man. People in my personal life, not strangers. I'm not looking to get shot. Make that very clear. <laughs> I, li- I live a lot around a bunch of people. I don't want to be like that. No, you know, I, I'm going to be nice about it, but um, I think the thing I'm not going to really deal well with is the the conspiracy stuff. And I think I'm, I'm, if they hit me with any of their deep conspiracies about things being stolen and whatnot, I'm going to hit them with my conspiracy that – he didn't pivot when he could have because he really wanted out. He wanted it to look close, but he really doesn't want to be there. So he doesn't ever pivot. He doesn't ever let up. He wants the reputation of being the fighter. He wants to go out saying that it was stolen from him so that he can carry that on into whatever he's got planned for next. But I just, you know, it's it's one thing to say maybe he doesn't understand that's hard for me to go with or maybe that he's crazy a little easier to believe that one maybe but i actually think it's not a big jump to think maybe he's smart enough to just go uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna tank by being overly aggressive spending all my campaign cash so i don't have any way to fund you know advertising at at the most pivotal time before the election like all these little things that would be what i'm gonna throw at uh, any family members that try to tell me about QAnon or things being stolen or, you know, uh, black Sharpies in Arizona, I'm just going to start going into, he never wanted to be there in the first place and see what happens. Well, it's it's funny you bring up the, the lack of money thing, because in the fine print, if you donate to his campaign fraud fund or whatever it's called, up to 60% of your donation can and most likely 
will be going to pay off the campaign's bets. Grift after grift after grift. Yeah. He's he, going to uh, totally and, take that from the people that want him. I, I believe that. And uh, sure. Exactly. I mean, oh, he's a fighter. Yeah, well, he's going to have a new fight now because as far as I can tell, the uh, New York Attorney General is coming for that ass. Yeah, look, it's going to be... I, but again, though, uh, I'll tell you right now, and I know it's not going to be popular. I I would like to... Look, there's a part of me that wants to see justice served, but there's a part of me that wants to see the country not at each other's throats. And, uh, I, you know, I hope that happens not as... I don't hope it doesn't happen in a big, loud way. If it happens and it comes that way, I hope it's not this this uh, big clown session, although I'm sure online there'll be trolls just going ham over it. But if that happens, we'll deal with it then. I, I want to focus a little bit on an interesting part of this whole thing. The first woman of, what do you want to say, M- like a mixed race woman yeah, she of is accomplishment, a Attorney General of California. Woman that is now our vice president. Indian and Asian. I mean, and I mean, accomplished on her own right. I think it's an interesting thing. I don't know. Give me, give me, give me your hot take on Kamala Harris. I think it's a massive upgrade from the sentient jar of mayonnaise we had previously in that office. Um, (laughs) Sentient jar of homophobic mayonnaise. Sorry, got to be specific here. I think that whether or not I, okay, let let me try this again. There are some people in Congress I don't necessarily agree with on some of their platforms. I think some are maybe a little too far in the progressive area to ever really get any serious traction in higher office. I, I want to be proven wrong. But when I look at is what Fox News stupidly calls the squad, who all got reelected this year, mind you. Yeah, that's true. And we have a black half-black, half-Asian woman vice president. Trumpism is not dead in this country. It's going to be a long time before that ever gets rooted out. But I think it's going to start because a lot of young women of all races are going to be able to look at those women and say, if they can do this, so can I. And it gives them the inspiration to go for it. Yeah. Well, an inspiration. That's the thing: is the inspiration or hope it seems to have really shown itself to be more powerful than the negativity um, that I think a lot of people interpreted coming from the other side. And then it's also kind of like one of those things where you hear, you know, out with a whimper, not a bang. You know, it, it just seems so much that uh, the minute that the people on broadcast news started referring to Trump as a was, that is to me where I thought that's where, you you know, he's really, that's how he knows when it's over. He doesn't care about when other people are saying it, but if he can turn it on Fox or turn it on CNN or turn it on MSNBC and he hears people saying Trump was this, it's past tense, it's over. You know, Dave Chappelle on his stand-up intro into SNL had a moment where he just simply says he's gone. It's done. And I think that people aren't focused on that anymore. I think they want to know what – even people who are maybe not entirely comfortable with Biden or 
uh, Kamala Harris. I think that they want to know more. But the reason I want to talk about her is because of some things that, uh, well, just basically one thing that was expressed to me from my wife, and and I thought it was pertinent to our conversation and also to some extent our guest. And I think I'm going to kind of change it up a little bit and and not try to we're going to do a little little difference here because of what's going on because we're post election. We're going to bring in our guest now and and really have this part of the conversation talk about current events with them and then uh we'll just kind of move on to talking more about them uh as we go in further into the into the cast itself. Uh so without real any hesitation, I'd like to bring on Mel. This is my friend for well over 25 years, Melanie Hunt. Welcome to Brevity Box, Mel. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me on. It's exciting to have you. We're just bringing you on <laughs> to kind of jump in the conversation. We were just starting to get into talking about, um, well, we were talking about the presidency. I'm sure you overheard that while you were in the quote unquote green room. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and we were getting into Kamala Harris and... Um, you know, it's easy to talk about the precedent and whatnot, but we're two dudes who are never going to know what this means or how it affects um, women mm -hmm. all over the country of all kinds of uh, backgrounds, races. And I think I'd like to kind of get your thoughts on, on, on a couple of things without being incredibly specific, but I've heard some very emotional uh, reactions about what it means to some people and, and, and for good reason. Yeah. And still, I, I know I'm humbled enough to know I'll never know exactly what that is. Um, my wife said something that just never occurred to me. You know, she said, I, I didn't think... I didn't think it would ever happen. Yeah. And then, and I was like, well, what do you mean by that? She goes, I just didn't think it could happen. And, you know, we went into more specifics about where that came from. And, and it was a whole nother side of what the 2016 election. Yeah. Uh, meant that I just yeah. have, you know, I'm, I could read it. I could acknowledge it. I could learn it in my brain, but I have no idea what that, feeling is and it caught me by surprise to hear i mean i'm i couldn't be closer to somebody and to hear them say i did not think it could happen and in my yeah, first absolutely. thing i thought was well i don't think i ever thought it couldn't happen i just thought it was a matter of time like, you yeah. know it just didn't it really just didn't ever occur to me do you do you feel like you're saying you're affirming right now i mean what what are your do you have that feeling oh, overwhelmingly did absolutely. you get emotional I, I did. I was actually really surprised um, at how emotional I got. And I am, you know, I am not even a person of color. I'm, I'm not a woman of color. So I have no idea how that felt, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, what is the opposite? What is the, the furthest opposite of person of color? I think you're, you're person of non-color. Yeah. <laughs> You're the white. You're the whitest white. You're the white crayon, man. <laughs> but no, seriously. I mean, I I was surprised at how emotional I got, and, and there was really there was this element to 2016 
that just felt like, oh, of course not. Of course we didn't get that, you know. I don't know why I got my hopes up, you know. And that was part of what hurt in 2016. And it was just really special. It was really, uh, it was, you know, I, I, I can't even really come up with a good enough word. Uh, it, it was just really something to see. Well, you know? it, it, what occurs to me in this last couple of days and kind of feeling that sentiment out a little bit from, the places that I've heard it is, is the first thing is I just don't know. I don't have carnal knowledge of what that feeling is. Um, I'm, I, I just don't. Uh, and I think that that's, you know, it's one of those things I don't, I, I wish I could understand it more than mm-hmm. I do, but it, it all, it made me sort of reflect on whatever I thought about the 2016 election after talking to a couple of different women in my life and most prominently my wife, Brooke, I, I really, I had not occurred to me that if you're not into politics, like, like let's say you don't know shit about how polls work or how the electoral votes work or, you know, how mm-hmm. any of it, whatever the hell it means, you're just waiting for somebody to tell you who's winning right. or who's not. Yeah. You know, you like, you know, you don't like, and it didn't, occur to me that for and that's how stupid i feel about this because it seems so damn obvious but it didn't occur to me that that election was this like statement to womankind Mm -hmm. about where the country was in terms of how you know they like i did not know that it was a no we're gonna stick with the it, you know, yeah, it felt gonna, like not just a repudiation of Hillary in particular. It it almost felt slightly like a, a repudiation of we're not, you know we're not ready for that yet. We're not ready for a woman in the highest office in the land yet. You know, well, it, well that's what I'm saying. Like it was almost as if the you 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 kind of made there was this statement being made to the country of. How about a matriarchy? And the whole country went, no! <laughs> we'll take the super asshole over there. We want anything but that. But, you know, like, yeah, it was, she won the popular vote, though. So, you know, that was... What, what, right, right. Uh, I'm not trying to say... I'm saying how it felt. Right, That's the way exactly. I, yeah, it's how, how it felt. It felt like a referendum on... Yeah. On people like, like yourself, like Brooke, who are out there mm-hmm. dealing with it. Uh, all the time, all the time. And you, and there's, I said this to you on a conversation the other day, you know, guys get fans who mm-hmm. root them on, who don't even know them. And it doesn't really happen like that for, <laughs> for little girls and, and women, you know, it's not, it's not gonna, it doesn't work like that where yeah. people take so much pleasure in being a part of their success. Uh, at least it hadn't traditionally, as far as the way we see things. Yeah. And, um, I just, it never occurred to me, you know? And so now you have somebody like Kamala Harris who, you know, without going into crazy detail, this is not somebody that came out of nowhere. She's got an extensive career Mm -hmm. that goes through the the largest and, you know, financially most difficult states in the nation, Mm -hmm. in California, becomes a senator 
raged and and amazing primary performance going at Biden hard. Yeah. And so when Biden chooses somebody that goes at them hard, that that I like that. Mm-hmm. Right. I like that respected opponent bit. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't know. I I. I have a particular view that I won't go into as far as the power of the vice presidency, but uh, the things that I can say about that are that I think a very young senator who got the presidency and needed uh, experience and a voice that could help guide big decisions and Biden being that guy, I think Biden continued to redefine the power of the vice presidency, and I think he knows what he's asking somebody to do by in giving them that responsibility. And I really think Kamala Harris, when talking about Biden said that she had learned a lot about what the potential of the vice presidency was from watching Biden. So I feel like you have two senators. I mean, Mm -hmm. what a, what a juxtaposition. You have two people who know how to do this. Yeah. I don't know. And so you, you got super emotional. Do you, do you feel like, I mean, what are kind of go on about that a little bit? Like, does well, it make it, you see? It, it just. What do you see differently now? It it just felt like, um, almost. Okay, don't laugh at me, but it, it did feel almost like a little bit of a sacred moment, you know, of just history looking on us right now, you know, and and hearing her speech. Her speech was just fire. I mean, it was so good. Um, you know, she also, what, one thing I appreciated was she, she mentioned, um, you know, Native Americans who, you know, helped us win Arizona. Um, and, you know, I thought that was nice because that, that group is a lot of times erased, you know? Um, yeah, they don't, they're not thought of. Yeah. Uh, and they're important in Arizona. They're a part of the community in Arizona. Yeah. They're a part of us everywhere and you know it just they need representation just like you know probably even even more so you know than other people of color sometimes <laughs> i would i don't know I, i'm not really qualified got, to talk on that but total i'm not qualified to talk about it either but the, one of my one of the things that occurs to me is one of my uh i'm a big king of the hill fam back in the day and there's a moment during a thanksgiving episode where Dale is talking to John Redcorn and says, "Have your do your people celebrate Thanksgiving?" And he goes, "We did <laughs> once." <laughs> oh man, I'm going to hell! And I just thought that's it's so perfectly timed. <laughs> we did yeah. once. Yeah. No, I mean you're right. I think her recognition is important. She's a powerful speaker. She's a powerful person, mm-hmm. a very experienced prosecutor. I just, I think it's exciting to be back in a, in sort of our wheelhouse where we're talking about nothing is impossible and it feels good to have and, leaders you know. again. It could, it just feels really good to have uh, leaders leadership again. It felt like we were He's missing a, that. To be fair, Trump is a leader. He's just a particular kind of leader. Mm-hmm. There's words for those kinds of leaders there for are, a lot of people. There are words but, for that. 
you know, but at the same time, I think kind of going back to what I was saying about, you know, there's a lot of uh, people who just have very limited exposure to stuff. And I'm not really keen to, you know, I, I feel like I accidentally get in a place where I start just talking too much about all the minuscule details <laughs> about politics and it's such exciting conversation right <laughs> and, uh, and it's it's just you know i think it's important to pay attention to how people feel and there are people who i know are really disappointed and angry and i want to be um i want to try to be understanding it's difficult i think that that there's a real blind spot where we don't realize there's sort of a um i don't know man there, there's I like the idea that even if you didn't vote for Biden and Harris, that you could at least be, I know there has to be individuals out there who voted for Trump and Pence that are still, um, moved and respect the fact that this country put, you know, a woman in the white house. Yeah. And, and they won the popular vote Mm -hmm. by millions of votes. Brando millions, four million. We, what, millions and or you know four, four and a half million, i believe yeah yeah i mean flipped a lot of states what were you gonna say melanie i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off no no, no. i was just gonna say i thought it was five but yeah i i'm not an expert so. well none of us are that's yeah. the whole point we're yeah. all really like, like i like but, the term first class american nobody i want to have <laughs> like i want to have my my uh I want to try to turn that into my brand because I like the the uh, anagram or what's the the like the F. Think about it, F C A N. I like that. Listen, yeah. I like fucking. Yeah. <laughs> Being the fucking squad. Yeah. Fucking bands. And be fair, certain topics were basically highly functioning nobody. morons too. So. Well, uh, yeah, I we're just trying to figure some it topics. Out. On some topics, everybody's like that on some topics. Well, and that look, that's kind of my point, right? Like, there's a bunch of people who, for whatever reason, you know, they wanted to vote for the guy on, from The Apprentice or from Home Alone 2. <laughs> like, and, and now they, they voted for the guy from politics. Parks and Rec. So, no. he was he was on Parks and Rec. Oh, what a great scene! I forgot Biden about was. that. Oh, yeah. I totally. In fact, there was a that. great tweet that said. Parks and Rec star Joe Biden will be replacing Home Alone 2 star <laughs> Donald Trump as playing the American president. That was one of the funnier jokes I saw is uh, in an attempt to stay, in an attempt to keep the presidency, Ta- Donald Trump officially changes his name to Joe Biden. <laughs> to Joe Biden. <laughs> That's the other thing. It feels a little like like blood in the water when it comes to the internet. I, I'm and, worried. And memes and trolls. Like I feel like it's it's reversing course. It's been one way, and now it's kind of turning. You I, know, I don't know. I still feel a little worried uh, about. Oh yeah. About um, retaliation because if I don't know, I <laughs> I'm one of those people we that live in the south. Yeah, well, I no, I'm talking about uh, retaliation coming out of the the highest office because I'm I'm oh, just talking sure. about like. Uh, I was joking, in, by the way, but yeah. Yeah, in in I particular, the um, the correspondence dinner where Seth Meyers made the jokes and Obama made the jokes about John, Donald Trump, and uh, then he ran for oh, president. Sure. But yeah, look at the look at the crap he's taken now, you know, and it's just like okay, he he doesn't react well to that kind of stuff. So 
Mm-hmm. No, I think we've. I think we enjoy the moment. I think probably tomorrow morning it's going to start. But mm-hmm. I just, um, again, I, I haven't. I keep digging for anything that might make me worry, and I don't see. I don't see any legitimate issues. I think there'll be a long, drawn-out yeah. recount, but I don't think they're going to find. There's I, no evidence of anything. If I, I did may, appreciate. If I may speak up, the last time I, I looked into it a little bit, and uh. Recounts don't have swings more than like plus or minus 200 votes to one side or the other. That's pretty much it. Yeah, you're not covering 20,000 votes in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. It's unlikely you'll cover 10,000 votes in Georgia. You're not going to, you know, I just don't see it going by the way. How do you think he's going to concede? He won't. What do you guys think? He won't. Well, you guys will, but I think he's going to do it in a, in a, you know, whatever, a different fashion. Like the obvious is they that he's, they, he, they stole it mm-hmm. or whatever. But I, I, I don't put it past him. I honestly don't put it past him to actually come out and sound like he's trying to civil and throw a giant curveball. <laughs> I'm trying to be the bigger person here, so I'm going to concede. Yeah, I, I mean, doesn't that seem like the more frustrating thing for him to do? <laughs> Instead yeah. of being like they stole it, they stole it. I totally expect him to come out and be like, you know, I'm actually kind of relieved. <laughs> and people be like, what? But Narcs just cannot admit defeat. Yeah. Well, but that's the thing. I don't know if he'll he'll come out and say. It. I think the most the most twisted version of this is going to be some fiction about how he's going to let it happen. Like he knows, like he could win, he could go to litigation, but he's not going to do that because he thinks it's better for the country, kind of thing. Right, right, right. Like, yeah. I expect Spot that kind of crazy spin. So I mean, I, you know, I, and I'm sorry, but I, I, I kind of want to see at least one thing go to court, just so I can see what drunk Uncle Rudy is like in front of a judge. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh man, listen, I, I cannot. Um, get enough of kate mckinnon so anytime rudy giuliani is so good. Out there, her rudy giuliani her she everything is, yeah she, is amazing she's an incredible everything i have a huge crush on her don't even tell me the obvious i know <laughs> but uh, i i mean just amazingly funny talented um I- I love her, Rudy. I like all of her comedy. I like that they started doing that with uh, with Melissa McCarthy and Sean Spicer. That that was one of that's the first time I saw. Oh, that was so funny. A woman playing a male segue. part. Yeah. I haven't thought about Sean yeah. Spicer in what feels like fifteen years. <laughs> it feels like it was a it, it it certainly does feel like the longest year of my life. Well, March did last ten months, so. It does feel like that, doesn't it? You guys remember Scaramucci? Well, I, I, that, was a, that was a fun 10 days. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. Man, that two weeks was nuts. I, I think it's yes. really funny because a lot of people on the internet now refer to a time period of 10 days as a mooch. And refer <laughs> to a lot of other that, cabinet members. And I will members, start doing that. And that refer to a lot of other cabinet stuff. members' tenure in terms of mooches. Is he the one that I has like the this. really, really petty Twitter uh, yes. now? Okay. Just checking. He's the one that yeah. well, had to leave to... after talking about Steve Bannon, you know, sucking yeah. his own dick or something oh. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw that. that guy, but you got I mean, the guy seems like 
it's weird that I didn't like him for 10 days and then he started going out there and talking about <laughs> yeah. everything else. I was like, hey, he's kind of a cool a guy. a bit likable now. Now, I, I really uh, – I didn't mean to jump too quickly past um, the significance of Kamala Harris. I think that I hope – I hope we see more confidence immediately and I know that that's going to be, you know, just from the gen- – I'm glad to know that women and girls will feel like well, how they should, in my opinion. Uh, I hope that starts. I, I hope we can start seeing some – having a little more egalitarian respect equals across the board. And, and honestly, in many cases, uh, betters. You know, I feel like Kamala Harris as a uh, – and her her resume is a lot more impressive than our sentient mayonnaise mm-hmm. <laughs> that's in there right now. Love sentient mayonnaise, by the way. Mm. It makes a lot of sense. It kind of explains the fly. Yeah, you I was just leave, thinking about the fly. You leave mayo out there that, for yeah. too long. That's just gonna happen. Now, I hope it ushers in. I, I'm I'm just relieved, like you said. I'm, I'm looking forward to where we. I think we're all looking forward to where we don't have to hear. About oh, gosh, everything just, all the time. I'm ready for it to be quieter too. Yeah, just a week without hearing something on the news that just terrifies everybody. A week yeah, without I, waking I just, up, grabbing your phone, and thinking, "Oh, what did dipshit do last night?" <laughs> yeah. Well, just this the stress, stress and strife of it, and uh, you know, I I have a one of my favorite Beck songs, and one of the favorite lines from the Beck song mm-hmm. is "Face Down" in the guarantees. That to me says everything is mm-hmm. that I'm sick of being face down in all the guarantees made by this guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the rest of the country is too. So uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, let's, uh, let's move on. Before we move we'll on, there's one more uh, thing I want to say about some of the female politicians we have now. Just recently, I never thought okay. I would see people in Congress doing this, but a couple of weeks ago, I caught about 30 minutes of a Twitch live stream of Ocasio-Cortez, Ilan Omar, and several other yeah. people streaming among us and just having a grand Whipping old time. Whipping ass. When Whipping did you ever think you would too. see congresswomen playing video games on the internet and just having yeah. fun? Of course, she's brilliant. So, I mean, she's just got, uh, I mean, really good and she's savage in those, And she's savage in those committee hearings, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, she's I definitely have a crush a on her. Uh-huh. Well, I'm sure a lot of people do. I, you know that. Ben Shapiro the thing I like does. about that that's kind of. <laughs> oh, what you say? Ben, ben Shapiro, Shapiro definitely does. <laughs> oh, Ben Shapiro. Poor Ben oh. Shapiro with oh, his Ben Shapiro, his ben Shapiro and his AOC Twitter. foot fetish. He's a weird guy. Yeah. I would be happy to buy him his next bottle of Brill Cream. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know. I, I think. Yeah, I think it's. The thing that I like about that statement, though, is just seeing gaming in general as more of uh, everybody games, you know, that it's not just this 16 year old to 25 year old demographic. It's it's there's nothing you know, I like the fact that this person would be kind of out there just doing something that everybody's doing. That game is hot right now. Everybody's playing Among Us. And I like it's fun. I like the fact that our that. A couple of our politicians really suck at being the imposter. 
<laughs> They're bad at lying. I like that. Well, it does make you feel better, right? It does, yeah. Yeah. You feel a little better about it. No. So, you know, I I hope that I'm really got hope. I hope. I'll end it there. I hope. That's it feels good to hope. Yeah, it does. And uh and and to kind of be able to to know that that regardless of all the noise that's going to probably happen over the next few weeks, I I am glad to know that it's about to be done. Mm-hmm. And I can look forward to a time where it's not there like that and and it's going to be great. If for nothing else, that part will be really enjoyable. And I I expect nothing but great things from uh, President-elect Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. How cool. How cool. I did not know, and I'm telling you, when I read it, I could not stop grinning, personally. <laughs> I was very, very pleased with everything, the way that it turned out. Um, Got a couple of tears out of me. No shame. The horse yeah. Left the and I, normally, we wouldn't really spend 30 minutes or 40 minutes plus talking about politics but we're post-election i think everybody had a lot of emotions and tension build up i didn't want to go crazy serious or crazy detailed about process and blah it was just a cool moment to be on that side of and i'm glad to know that more than half most of the country right now agrees with one another and that makes me feel less uh singled out Mm -hmm. you know so and I, i i do think there's a lot of people that even though they voted for the president that kind of understand the moment. And I I don't think we should be, I hope that people are smart enough not to just group uh, 70 million people under one stamp or one stereotype. I don't think that's how it works. I don't think we would like it. I don't think they like it either. So I think I'll, I'll I'll stop there and, and kind of say, Hey, I'm glad you jumped in on the conversation. I mean, (laughs) I'm glad to know you got emotional about that. Like Brooke did and that you have some of that same perspective and that you feel empowered by it. I think that's, that's a great word for it. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I think a lot of, um, the reason that I have you on and other people that I respect, uh, last week, it was a really close friend of mine, Ray, I'm I'm into people who I see having to overcome obstacles. Some of the obstacles they put there themselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes it's just randomness. Sometimes it's learning by doing. And I think that's hard. I think life is hard. And so I think when, you know, we met, I mean, what was it, 1997? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. And at... I think about 97 at McNeese State University. Lake Charles, Louisiana. Lake Charles, Louisiana. <laughs> and I'll tell you, you find me another lake that's got a nice film right on top. <laughs> hey. It used to. It used but to. that was a long time ago. <laughs> Bring back you the know nostalgia. Yeah. <laughs> but look, it was... Um, Man, I was not excited about being there, and now I look back on being there as one of the most pivotal and important points in time for a lot of reasons. There's a couple of people that are going to be guests on our cast that are stemming directly from McNeese and Lake Charles, and it was a special place, and 
it was a special time and yeah. it was a weird time. <laughs> um, there's a lot of funny, ridiculous things I could say, but for you and me, we, I mean, would you say, I guess it's fair to say it started at Squires or would you say it started before that? I, I think it's just started, uh, you know, running around the art building in the middle of the night whenever they didn't really lock the doors. And so of course we found the auditorium and yeah, that's. So Brando, we would, you know, every campus has an art. Well, most of them have a school of art and they'll have a theater and all of the different labs for whatever art class or whatever thing you're working on. And they have an auditorium there, small auditorium for plays and theater that called Squires Auditorium. And they would leave the doors unlocked to this thing. And for people who were living on campus that didn't want to go to sleep and <laughs> wanted to kind of creep around the and areas around. Looking for a uh, piano to play, maybe. Looking for anything to just have a little cave, a little private little, little like yeah. moment. And we would end up in there and just, Shoot there the was sort of a weirdness to it, right? Like it, it was, was a, almost a therapeutic quality to being in the middle of the night in a dark auditorium with scant light. On a it stage. Just, well, yeah. Well, it's scattered throughout the damn room, right? Right, like we right, right. Creep all around backstage and, mm -hmm. and. Um, oh God, we tried on the costumes in the uh, costume department, but it was up above the stage so we had to climb do you remember that yeah yeah i do and yeah. i think i think we're technically admitting to being like B &E. burgling. B &E. yeah. <laughs> we're burgling. i, I think you're fine the statute is definitely passed by now <laughs> <laughs> but That's we true. would spend time in there with friends of ours that we found interesting one of those people is brooks who uh should be doing oh, a, God. A, a a spot on here I can't you know wait. I think, uh, I don't know how to explain it. I will say that if for, for anybody who knows who Fiona Apple is, I had no idea really who Fiona Apple was. And I remember uh, the first time, I remember the first time Melanie and I were just getting to know each other. And we were there with, I think Brooks was there the first time you played this song. I think he was. And you played Never is a promise from yeah. fiona apple is that the title album yeah it was the album title and uh it, i had a voice class that semester and i had never thought of myself as a vocalist per se like i always thought of myself as a pianist you know pianist uh, first and foremost and um i i picked that song to sing and i was practicing it and that's what you guys heard and, and i I, I've smitten immediately with the way that song hit me to the point where to this day, I don't, I've, I don't, that's one of the few songs of, of uh, Fiona Apple's that I don't go back to as much mm -hmm. because I still think it's, it's the, uh, it's the second, like, I feel like somebody's doing a cover of your song. Oh, all respect to Fiona Apple, and I'm not trying to be insulting because uh, I'm a huge fan. No, and that was a great album too, for especially great how album. young she was. But um, yeah, everybody kind of needs that magical time in their life, and I really feel like that's what was ours. You know? Uh, yeah, we became 
close friends. I don't know how to explain that. It felt like brother, sister in a lot yeah. of ways. Or, uh-huh. On the cusp of adulthood, uh, kind of, you know. Yeah, I think we were both kind of st- had this stranger in a strange land sort of moment, though that you're from the area. Well, I was, I'm but not. I also had this, you know, this really exciting experience for the first time of not living with my parents who were very traditional and conservative. And, you know, I, I felt like I could explore my identity a little bit more and uh, get get out there and have experiences. I have, I, I've always had that drive as a kid even to uh, to find where the next experience takes me, you know, just I whenever I was younger, especially very adventurous, you know, and what I, felt, are, I mean, felt like you are, too, you know, I, I, I felt like you were, too. And that's one of the things that we sort of meshed with, you know. Yeah, I was. Um, I was I was very uh, restless for my own reasons. I was, I had other goals in mind. I wasn't really focused on school like I should have been. Me either. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that we were both looking for a, a lot of meaning in different places. Uh, for me, I was, you know, my, my father lived 30 minutes away and I had not seen that man for a good, maybe, uh, almost 10 years. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to, I wanted information. I wanted more from him. I wanted time. And at at the same time, I wanted to go to school. Probably not a smart or wise idea. (laughs) But I I don't know how to say I I got lifelong friends and weird experience out of it. Now, what – I don't remember how long. Was it just a year Mm -hmm. that we were – Well, I know that – It was about a year – if I think about the semesters, um, it it was like the end of my first semester when I met you and Brooks, and uh, it may have just been a semester long that we were really had all these experiences. Yeah, super intense semester. Very now you so. you were there when my car drowned, right? Wait a minute, I I don't remember that so much. What? Tell me more like my or was it just after what I, did i meet you after my car drowned in the parking lot of the art building well i was the one carting your ass to see your dad <laughs> you oh know, that's right remember you were in the pontiac yeah yeah i remember uh, that car so that it must have been after that happened it must have been after so uh, i'm i'm going to i have to you have to remind me cuz when we when we get in deep in the interview i'm going to tell that story <laughs> about the the drowning car but um, I think it's significant to bring up the music as being where we started because yeah. it's something we really connected with. Uh, I think a lot of, you know, kids and college kids, they connect through music. We connected through music. Brooks played bass. He was in the band at McNeese, played the, the, the tuba. Um, I remember trying to learn a, the Possum Kingdom bass riff. Oh, gosh. With his guitar. Uh up on the stage at Squires. Yeah, I remember but that night. But the music, yeah, right? It was a lot of fun. The music oh. pulled us together. It wasn't too long after that that we, I was moving to New Mexico because I had met somebody, ironically, at McNeese, who was from Oregon, of all places, and was transferring to New Mexico State University at Las Cruces. Mm-hmm. And 
you and another friend of mine were two people. I, I don't know. I, I guess looking back, do you feel like you were, you, you still know you were ready at that point to get out? You know what I'm saying? I was absolutely after the next experience, you know, again, that was a lot of who I was and still am. And, uh, I was, it was very easy to be talked into doing that. And that's what, that's what happened. You know, it was more like you just kind of presented the idea. Hey, me and a couple of friends, yada, yada, yada. When it seemed out of the question, it seemed crazy, right? It was like, we're just going to get an apartment and live in New Mexico. That's why it was such an attractive, you know, uh, (laughs) thing, thing to think about was because, you know, it was going to be a little bit of, you know, by Lake Charles, and it was going to be a little bit of, you know, I can do this myself. I want to see what it's like to live on my own, you know. And we 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 did our best to make it work for a long while. Yeah. How long between, you know, I start off with music because I know now that, you know, you've produced a significant amount of music since then on your own and written your own music. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to build to that. Where do you, th- I mean, it, it wasn't like we were doing much of that. We were sort of being recluse, destructive young miscreants. adults in New Mexico. We were miscreants. Yeah, we were total miscreants. <laughs> um, yeah. But what I, did it, like, where did, where did that, I guess what I'm asking is, do you, do you feel like that as an artist, you've taken that music or taken that, that impact in those stories and it, it made oh. you... Like, where did that journey go, I guess? is is about you, not us, right? I don't want to get caught up talking about all of our memories. But, you know, you start off taking, practicing Fiona Apple. You Mm -hmm. nail the song. Thank you. Um, You have an incredible voice. We're going to have, you've been nice enough to let us have one of your tracks that we're going to plug in here at the, um, between the two segments and give people an idea of the, what you've got going for you. You you know, you're so talented. But I guess I'm so how much of your like where did that start like oh, i i guess after new mexico we sort of lost touch. we did we lost touch and uh but as an artist that was such a it that time was like distilled in my mind as um and and it was weird it was i didn't do it and i still have this thing i i can't really do it in front of people it's not something that i'm confident about showing people while it's under construction but um and that was definitely the case back then we were living three to an apartment um you know and i i didn't write a lot while we were living together but then if you remember i moved out you know to another place in las cruces and uh then we um you know i i really kind of settled down and started writing a lot of stuff that was just on my mind. I was processing, you know, the experience. I was processing my day-to-day reality. and. But at the time, was that just more of a journal or was it poetry? Or did you know you were writing music? Oh, I I knew I was writing music. I've been, you know, writing music since I was seven. I, I started piano lessons at six. I wrote a song at seven. And it won the state championship for songwriting. Wow. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that 
I, as far as seriously sitting down and and writing something that meant something to me personally, you know, I started doing that probably around the end of high school. And, uh, of course, you know, of course I was making music about what was going on in, in Las Cruces and what it meant that I was out there, what it meant mythologically in my life, you know, like that kind of, the whole kind of, you know, what did it mean? Uh, and I was thinking about that pretty hard and, uh, I still, you know, have, a couple of songs I, you know, a couple of my, my old favorites are from that period, you know, and it actually, whenever I got home, uh, because I ran out of money and I had to call my parents and humble myself and say, look, you know, I, I failed. I, I need to come home. Can you come get me? And they did. Um, they, they came and they got me and they brought me home. And it wasn't too long after that, that, um, I started playing shows, uh, which I didn't do for very long. This We're talking about like a three-month period when I had Lake Charles. a verbal contract with uh, a, the owner of D'Agostino's, uh, which was oh, wow. like a, yeah, a little that's restaurant cool. in oh, Lake Charles. Um, and my aunt was coming in town from, uh, from Los Angeles and from San Bernardino. And she had never seen me play in front of people and I was like well if I'm going to do it I need to do it now you know I talked myself into it and despite a lot of anxiety I got up there and I did that for for three months um I got a question about that yeah and Brando I know that you're I know that you're more into the I mean you've got a whole line of knowledge about music that I know I probably am not touching on so if there's something that's not occurring to me, man, jump in. I, uh, I, I wanted to ask about you getting over the anxiety to get in there and perform in front of people. Mm-hmm. You know, when we would, when we started in Squires, it was a dark room with two or three people at best. Mm-hmm. And I know that living together and Brando knows this cause he's been a roommate of mine as well. <laughs> so he knows that I will be, singing for no reason in the kitchen mm-hmm. and uh at I know 6 30 in the morning to... on a saturday <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about man what's up i do know what i did uh but there were that was one of those things that i don't i don't know that i've had i've maybe had two or three friends maybe that would just jump into song right <laughs> And just have fun with it. And and there's been maybe two or three times in a 20-year relationship with Brooke where she's done that. <laughs> like, And that was part of our friendship. Yeah. I still do it with my son. I, I will literally, you know, don't, uh, you know, go sit down and eat your snack, Jack, you know, and just start making up, riffing and just making up something stupid, you know, just for the joy and of it. And he gets into it. Yeah. Absolutely. That's good. I like that. Yeah. Well, so we'll get to that point because I do want to get to where you are now because I know that you're, you know, you have a family, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're married, your your husband and you get through life with your son. Mm-hmm. I know that you've got a lot going on with your other stuff in your life and, and what you do for a living. I, I want to get to that point and it's, there's a lot there. 
I guess I, I was getting to where I was, you know, how did you go from being like, what did it take <laughs> for you? What do you think was the moment where you decided you were going to, cause that's not the person you were. No. Right. And then like, as far as the music goes, what were you playing? Yeah. Um, it's still not the person I am. I, I haven't gotten back on stage in a long time because of the anxiety. Um, but in, at the time, it was just a really unique situation. And the way I talked myself into it was by saying, you don't know when she's going to be coming back. You know, that's a long trip. And she didn't come all the time. And it was it was a whole big thing. It was, you know, I had all of my aunts and uncles there the first night that I played. And it was this you know, really special night. So, um, but I, I told myself that, I, you know, you only have one shot. You're going to have to do this. And you, there's no, um, if you don't do it, you just won't experience it, you know? Um, and lots of times if I try to talk myself into doing something, I can put it off, but I couldn't put that off, you know? So it was just a do or die, you know? I flew by How did it go? my pants. I, the first one uh, was a little buggy, but yeah, it, it smoothed out. And, you know, I had some youthful folly, you know, in some of the, <laughs> some of the shit that I did, uh, you know, just, I don't know, just, uh, it was great. It was so great. You know, it's great to look back on. Sometimes I'll look back on it and I'll, clinch with anxiety you know again and like almost a almost an embarrassment whenever I think about some parts of it and pieces that I messed up and stuff that still sticks with me now but um but overall I'm so glad I did that so glad I made myself get out and do that and you go from how long were you in back in Lake Charles before you spent some time. You spent some time in Massachusetts, right? Right, but that wasn't until after. In fact, that's how I met my first husband. That we got married and moved to Boston. Um, he would come to my shows. I ended up. I worked with him. I worked at the same company as he did, uh, and I. I don't remember why they knew I was doing shows. I I don't remember if I if I said something or if one of my friends said something, but he started coming to my shows and he, you know, became a fan and, uh, you know, as it were, and just was really sweet about the whole thing. Uh, we got married, you know, that winter, I guess it was, um, I came home in July, I think of 98, no, in 99, July of 99. Yeah. And I know I was playing shows during November of that year. Because that's when she came down. And 2000, it was December of 2000, whenever I moved to Boston. So you moved to Boston, you got married in, here in Louisiana, or did you mm -hmm. go? Yeah, at my parents' okay. house, actually, yeah. What took you to Boston? Like, why Boston? It was a job for him. Um, he, he actually, okay, this is a weird you know, uh, story, but we were given, we were <laughs> gifted with this trip to Boston, uh, and a stay at the Rose Wharf Marriott, um, 
by some family friends of his because we didn't get a honeymoon and they were doing oh, a, yeah, it, it was nice. They were, they were doing a, uh, conference. Um, he sold a, a software, you know, one of those dictation softwares, um, that was just kind of coming onto the scene at the time. And, uh, he, he was, he had, a, there was a seminar up there put on by the software company and he invited us. It's basically what, what it was. So, um, we went up there and we enjoyed it so much and just vibed with the city so much that he looked for a job in Boston. He was working with a headhunter and uh, got a job in Boston and we just went up there, just kind of seized the day. Right. Which wouldn't be the first time, right? Right. Exactly. And you kept performing up there? No. Um, I was so shy. Uh, right. You know, and just, I, I didn't feel like I really had made enough connections to have, you know, even an idea of where the best place would be to play. You know, we would go to shows once in a while. I saw Aaron McCown up there, um, a band called Fooled by April. It was, you know, it was the early 2000s. So, um, that but sounds I, like an early 2000s band name, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I said it, and then I felt <laughs> myself jerked back <laughs> to It's like when you tell somebody about Chasing Amy. <laughs> yeah. My yeah. favorite movie was Chasing Amy. My favorite band was Fooled by April. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, I mean, look, I, I know that, you know, I, I know you've overcome a lot. Yeah. What, what do you feel like? Like, I guess what I'm trying to get to is like you, when did you decide to start getting back into where you were making your own music again, putting together a series of songs, starting a, I mean, becoming a part of a label or did you start your label? Um, at a label as it were, I, I started a, a label called Rolly Polo Records and the, the logo was just a, um, a polo stick hitting a, a roly poly, you know, kind of. It's okay. And uh, it was cute. Sounds cute. It was. Um, but <laughs> it was. <laughs> it was. It was. It was cute. I can confirm cute. <laughs> but uh, up there, it was really funny. I I started seeing a therapist. Just you know. Uh, that is funny. No, I don't know no I, funny. I'm just saying, no, that's not the funny part, please. Um, no, but I, I started seeing a therapist and she recommended this book to me because I was experiencing a period of writer's block. And um, it was this great book talked about, uh, it's called The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. And it talked about morning pages, which just, it sounds, it's just an exercise that you get up in the morning, first thing you do before you do anything else while you're drinking your coffee, you write longhand three loose leaf sheets of paper worth of just getting out whatever bullshit is in your head first thing in the morning. You know, it's oh, like man, the Brando, you need to do this. Yeah, it's such a great exercise. I mean, within like one or two days of doing it. Oh man. I, I had material. Writes down. <laughs> but it was, and so that's where your music came from. Yeah, a lot of come out for Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's just a matter of, of doing it basically, like kind of like the, just doing it, just play in the shows whenever I wanted to play for my aunt, you know, it was just a matter of just, just write and it'll come, you know, 
just write whatever's in your head and eventually you'll find something that you that sticks you know it's an action yeah i mean how would how would you i mean like how would you describe your music overall like do you have a sound you go for or inspiration that you like to try to model yourself after is it you know it can't it's not fiona apple right no not anymore um i i actually just have a lot a lot of varying influences and basically if i just hear something that hits me you know i'll kind of go off of how it hit me you know and just right you know it's a it's a really um it's kind of whenever you collaborate with someone, you know, and they're just bouncing ideas off each other, I guess. Um, but there's no one style. I, I don't feel like I've never I've never really been able to explain, oh, you know, I, I'm folk or I'm, you know, pop or whatever. I, I just don't uh, I don't know how to describe my own style. You know, I, I play a lot of soft stuff. Uh, you know, it's slower um maybe more indulgent i don't know uh but i don't like what are your do you feel like some of your inspiration comes from all over the musical spectrum absolutely you're you're inspired by country music you're inspired by yeah what's in your wheelhouse where do you go to (laughs) i bet i bet people would say a lot of my stuff is country influenced heavily and that that probably comes from my dad you know whenever i was growing up uh but it's just close to my heart, but um, I don't listen to country music now. Uh, I listen to a lot of other stuff. I listen to all over the spectrum, from from Bowie to oh my God, uh, Michael. I never knew how to say his last name. Kiwanuka. Is that sounds I got, right? I think you got it. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Just anybody just anybody that that's that just hits me you know kind of hits my soul so brando and i have this moment in our friendship where we kind of like had that stepbrothers moment did we just become best friends (laughs) yeah i mean because i mean he was giving me a ride home my apparently my life has a few of these moments where people see a connection here But, uh, <laughs> so yeah, he's, yeah, in this case, um, so you remember the, the Volkswagen, Melanie? Yeah, the, the, the wait, I'm starting to think, was it the a golf, golf? The black okay, one? Yeah. Yeah. So that car got stolen by an employee. <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> so the keys that in the drawer. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Do not blame the victim, sir. So no, yeah, my, I'm totally um, victim shaming here. <laughs> I know, yeah, it was pretty dumb, but yeah, he was giving me a ride and ride home, and uh, man, he had unexpected. You know, if if you just laid eyes on the guy, total prejudice, you make this assumption that he's not the kind of dude that would be listening to like real funk. Uh-huh. You know, Coltrane kind of lover. <laughs> And I mean, on the way, he just indiscriminately turns on his radio and like, you know, hits play. It was a DVD or was a CD player at the time. And or was it? Didn't you have you might have had an MP3 plugged in? Anyway, no, it was he just starts a going through CD I burned. 
Okay, that's what the Millennium so, Pigeon, yeah, he... as I called it, wasn't that fancy. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Nerdium. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that it was a couple of different funk songs, and mm-hmm. I was just like, what? Yeah. And we just became fast friends kind of built on music and it's something that i i still torment him with my uh overly happy fun music which he loathes but every now and then every now and then he i'll bring something to his attention uh, he's always got good but he's he's old school funk right he's not listening yeah. to new school anything and uh, we have that t- to get like that's a lot of that st- similarity in how we started our friendships was built around musical taste i think he would really uh now you've brought us a track that mm-hmm. we're for the first time we're going to try this out we're going to we're going to play your uh your the track that you've lent us if and, okay. if, if wishes were horses is that the uh that's it did i get that correctly mm-hmm. now brando have you had a chance to listen to the file i have not i wanted to go in uh Wanted to go into it fresh. Go into it raw? Okay. Well, and that's, <laughs> we're going to try like playing that out. But, you know, how, when did that, is that a significant seminal track? Is that something that came first? Is it a, you know, why, why did you go with this track? Well, I just, uh, I, I really vibe with it a little bit. I don't know um, exactly why I would pick that one out of the other ones, but it, it was not uh, it was not some grand project. It was uh, it was just something that I kind of hammered out one day. Um, it was one of those that came uh, a little that little bit easier, and it, I wrote it in 2016, um, which I I'm not going to talk about exactly what it's about because I feel like that that would ruin it for some people but uh yeah it's a it's just a song that I wrote one day and I, I just really was that liked something it. your dad would say like was it where did you get the phrasing because that's something my if dad wishes, if wishes were horses beggars would ride is yeah the, is the phrase yeah that is a great southern parlance right that's a yeah. great like I <laughs> and and it's kind of um you know, you find yourself in this situation where the uh, the plenty, the land of plenty that you were in before is now covered in dust, like the song says, you know, and what do you do from there? And so that's what it was kind of about. If wishes were 2016. Horses, we so so we only have to have uh, we only have to cover about 15 years before we can get to it. How long? I mean, <laughs> but how long did you stay? Like, when did you come back to Lake Charles? How long were you in the Northeast? Um, for about, let's see, 12, 16 months, 15 or 16 months. So you've been back here since 2003? 2002, yeah. It was 2002. It was um, December 2000 I got up there, and then it was April of 2002 when I came home. So you were up there during, you were up there when uh, September 11th happened. Yeah crazy chaos and then Mm. now you are we won't focus on what happened in that first marriage obviously it's a first because it's no longer um you're right but we're still friends so oh well that's good yeah that's a that's that's a nice relieving thing yeah and when did you you 
when did you i mean you've known your husband now for since i was 13 yeah i was gonna say you guys are way back and i'm 23 now so are we allowed to say his name or he's just husband yeah you can you can say his name is that's kyle so you, you've known kyle. kyle since you were a 13 kid. years old yeah sixth grade when did he come back in your life um not that long after I came back home from Boston, we started hanging out again. We had been friends, you know, before, whenever we were in high school. I hadn't talked to him in a really long time. Um, and we just started hanging out and, uh, you know, just just grew closer. It didn't stop. Yeah. We just grew closer. That's it was nice. very natural. Yeah. And your son? My son Asa is 11. 11. Yeah. And that brings us to 2016. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Now that's, um, you know, we're going to definitely get into some deeper dives into that, that time between the two, but I, I kind of right. wanted to make sure I covered your musical inspirations before we went into letting the world hear. Thank you for letting us play your track. And then we'll, we'll of course, uh, continue the interview and get into some nitty gritty and, and, and ask some more questions. I mean, it's, you know, in the beginning of the show, I mentioned obstacles that you've overcome and I certainly don't want to go anywhere. You're not comfortable, but I think that would be yes. interesting to see kind of the, the things that happened in all that time and what honed out the artist inside of you and what drives what you have to say now. Cause that yeah. 2016 song, you know, you're not covering a song where you're practicing your vocals anymore, like mm -hmm. in Squires with a, a piano. So now it's it's exciting. I loved it. I yeah. I completely. You know, you don't say beggars would ride. Right. I'm not going to ruin anything, but it did make me think about where you were when you wrote it, mm -hmm. right? And I think it's going to speak to a lot of people, and I hope they'll enjoy it. Is there, Brando? I mean, I, I think you'll you're going to get a kick out of it, man. I mean, do you listen to country at all? Do you listen to anything that's country inspired? Honestly, no, not really. It's uh, kind of never been my thing. Mm -hmm. I'm open yeah, to it, but I your typical country way. that's popular these days does, doesn't do it. Oh gosh, it's, it's how about not old country? Kind of, yeah, it's more old. You like old country? I can get down with some a uh, little bit of old Garth Brooks. Before I started hiding them, never mind. I can get down with some old Garth Brooks. Uh, my 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 older sister went through a pretty big country phase when we were much younger, and I think that might have kind of ruined it for me. But uh, no. well, that's yeah, that, that might be the catalyst there. Well, give me a Garth Brooks song. You remember a Garth Brooks song you like? Who the hell doesn't like Friends in Low Places? Yeah, right. Instant. Easy song, Melanie. Do you do you listen to country now? Or are you a fan of current country? I I listen to older country. I I haven't really taken the time to explore new country. Um, what kind of old? Are you talking about same era, Garth Brooks? I'm going back to like Waylon and Willie. You know. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Brooke yeah. loves Willie Nelson. Brooke loves Willie Nelson. Yeah. Like, Garth Brooks was good too, man. That there was this one song. Um, I'm much too young to feel this damn old. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. That's a great well, he's, song. He knows. He's got great alliteration. Songwriters. He's, 
He's a weird character too, but yeah, I, I mean, when he was big, I liked the song. Everybody likes Friends in Low Places. I like Thunder Rolls. Mm-hmm. Um, he had some good writers. He really did. Some comedians have yeah, recently introduced I, me I to guess... Wheeler Walker Jr. That's been interesting. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I know those, those uh, podcasts. He's he's a different animal altogether. No, I, I like some Sammy Kershaw, mm-hmm. and uh, but he's the one that always him. makes. Uh, he is my 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 dad who lived in Jennings. Father, not dad. My father who lives in Jennings was was friends with uh, Doug Kershaw. Oh wow! And uh, I think those two are related. But you know the one I I think of because I was a kid when they were popular, and it was right there at the same time as that era of Garth Brooks, George Strait, Clint Black, mm-hmm. and it was the Judds. And I think it was my sister's fault. I think my sister had. <laughs> She's more of a rock, you know, anthem. But I think there was a time where she was living in, you know, central Texas, basically, that I think that there was some Judds playing in her Pontiac GT Fiero, <laughs> you know. But uh, but I love those songs. As corny as it is. Yeah. They you know, those a little bit. They do. And I think it was the rhythm, you know, like I. And even to this day, I think a lot of times, like I drive my, I drove my nephew nuts when I was uh, giving him rides to different places here in New Orleans because, you know, like you, Brando, I'd have something come on that's either more pop or, or even worse for him. Like I had a French pop song that I love. I'm not horrible. really listening. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Brooks says horrible, but I'm listening to the 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 sample, the beat, and the hook, mm-hmm. and if. Those things are in place. I can almost look past anything and I don't pay attention to the other stuff. And most of the time it's the other stuff that Brooke or Brando is paying attention to where mm-hmm. they're like, Oh my God, I can't believe you're listening to this. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm loving it. And, um, you know, I, I think it was the same thing with the Judds. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody remembers this, but girls night out has got a, a beat. A hook that is just unignorable. I do it remember will that get song. You moving. It's and a I'm girl's just saying, night out, something like that. Yeah, honey, there ain't no doubt. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm telling you, it just that beat got me. I was just talking to my sister about how she taught me how to dance. I remember looking like a moron as a 12 year old, where she's like, "Move your hips." <laughs> I was like, "Like this?" And she's like, "Yeah." I was like, "I'm dancing." You know. <laughs> like feeling like felt like I was on the top of the world it wasn't but like three weeks later I was watching the every little step video like on repeat because I taped it oh. it was like MTV premiere I was like try because that was the first one where they showed the camera from underneath a glass platform that he was dancing on yeah and Bobby Brown was just doing the running man and doing all kinds of yeah. moves and I I just had to learn how to do it all Bobby of that Brown was, and ridiculously. That I was did. some so. hot. He was some hot shit. He was. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. My wife, it, mm-hmm. my wife still pumps out my prerogative like it's mm-hmm. nobody's business. Oh yeah, it's, it's hilarious. Time, it's time, it's timeless singles. Right. They never get old. You're absolutely right. Well, and that's that's. I mean, now you're on. That's kind of. I love that. That's what ties these two friendships of mine together and and i can't wait to get into talking more about your story and the things that you've overcome mel and i'm glad you were able to join us i think i think we're going to move from this to the next segment and if you don't 
I'm going to let you kind of read in the, or do you want me to introduce your song you, to the you, world? You do it. Yeah, you you go ahead. I trust you. You don't have a stage name? Sparkle Magic? Uh, mm, no. Um, no. Okay. No, just well, good then old I, Melanie Hunt. I'm just going to throw it out there. Here's good old Melanie Hunt. <laughs> With If Wishes Were Horses. We hope you guys enjoy. This is a first for us, and we're going to hopefully try to keep doing that. And if, if you want, if you're nice, it'd be nice for you to be a part of that, where you're just keep giving us more music over time, Mel. Sure. That would be super dope, and we would <laughs> love to play some more of it. Absolutely. We'll see where that goes. Give Just kind of see if people enjoy it. We hope you do. Here's good old Melanie Hunt with If Wishes Were Horses. <laughs> You stayed up till daybreak here in my arms. I held you till your tears had dried. And I wish I could keep you safe from all harm. But of wishes. We're horses, we say i really appreciate you coming on we've got a lot more to talk about in the second segment but for right now it's just been fun uh, I, I it's a great way to explore the history of our friendship and kind of show people what i find amazing about you and why i think you're an interesting person um i just want to say thanks for joining us thank you for letting us have a piece of your track you want to say bye to everybody or every person the one person who's listening <laughs> 
Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, This has actually been a singular experience for me, and uh, I really, really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. I think I think we both enjoyed it too, um, a lot. And you know, it. it, Hopefully, we got more to come. We'll keep it up, Brando. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we want to thank you for joining us this episode of Brevity Box. We hope you enjoyed the dulcet tones of one Miss Melanie Hunt. It's been a pleasure having her here with us. We hope you enjoyed it too. Now, don't forget to hit that subscribe subscribe button. <laughs> Smash the YouTube thing and whatever all those Rated content creators stars, say. Unicorns. Yeah. Yeah. Join the notification <laughs> we'll gang. Don't forget to ring guys. that bell. Like and comment. Ever. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye-bye. This has been a presentation of Brevity Box on the Ruminations Radio Network. Just NPR the fuck out of it. Oh, wow. And they say, we'll see you next time. You know. And that was the dulcet tones of Melanie Hunt, ladies and gentlemen. We want to thank you for joining us here on the Ruminations Radio Network. This is Brevity Box. I like that. Hashtag <laughs> All right, why don't chocolate. you just do that? I'm just not going to do the thank you stuff. We'll get it. We'll come back from it. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button, hit that thumbs up, and join the notification (laughs) squad by ringing that bell. Fuck, I hate you. I think you should do all of these things. (laughs) I think you should do all of it. Okay. I think we're going to include some of that stuff because it's funny and ham.